So when a patient gets diagnosed with a rheumatic condition, it can be quite overwhelming. There's treatments to discuss. Uh, they have to explain their condition to their family. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, it's a steep education curve. But one of the things that often gets lost is the topic of sex. You're definitely right, Felicity. I wanted to drag everyone into bed with this conversation about sexual function and particularly focusing on patients that are diagnosed with arthritis. So I've been working on a feature to break down this conversation of talking to patients about sexual function and how it affects their lives and their relationships, basically. And you had some quite emotional conversations with patients. So I was lucky enough to be linked up with a few different patients that have experienced this, uh, I guess, from the point that they were diagnosed or even before their diagnosis and basically how they struggled and continue to struggle in their relationships because their sexual function is impacted by their disease. But the biggest thing for them is this silence that people never spoke to them about how their sex lives would be impacted by their disease, which seems minor when you think about it, because I guess from a medical perspective, there's so much else going on and people with arthritis may have other comorbidities and there's a lot to monitor, but something which seems like it should take a backseat, like sexual function is actually very close to people's hearts because that is something that they were used to having as a staple in their existing relationships or something that they thought they might want to um, start exploring one day and it just almost gets ripped away from them or they feel as if they're no longer normal because of that. So yeah, it's quite an emotional topic. One thing that was really common was there are a few people that because there's such silence in talking about how relationships are affected and the changing relationship, the fact that someone might not be able to function, for example, doing the shopping in a way that they used to, that the role, if they have an existing partner, has to change to support that uh, change in what their body can do. But another thing about that is that the intimacy in that relationship will also change. A lot of patients that I spoke to felt that because they weren't warned about absence of intimacy that could happen, that they were left kind of out in the cold and they weren't expecting it and they didn't know how to explain that to their partner. Their partner kind of as well, because it's such an invisible condition, didn't know whether it was the disease or whether their partner was kind of making this up in a way, which is really awful to think about. So I spoke to a few patients whose marriages came to an end because of their condition. They had partners for a long time that didn't understand the severity of their condition and how it wasn't a choice that they were choosing not to be intimate or that they were using their condition as an excuse. It was that they were in so much agony if they tried to have sexual intercourse with their partner, that it just wasn't possible anymore. But on the flip side, there's patients that uh, had come to an understanding with their partner and they'd either through their own exploration or through talking to other patients, they had found ways that uh, worked for them and their partner, whether it was through changing positions or sometimes taking painkillers a certain amount of time before they had sex. So what can doctors do to set expectations a little bit better? Well, it's an interesting question. As I was saying, arthritis is complicated and people can have a range of other problems to do with it. So it's 
quite understandable that doctors wouldn't maybe have time to delve into this very niche and specific area of someone's life. But sexual dysfunction is something that is quite complicated and it can be caused for a range of reasons. Some of them are functional, as we were talking about. Some of them, it could be to do with the medication that people are taking, which can cause, you know, erectile dysfunction or the inability to have an orgasm, for example. Uh, But it's also quite deeply psychological. So possibly being able to talk to your patients about this will open up a whole other gamut of things that might be going on in their lives. There's one study that showed that 76% of um, rheumatoid arthritis patients, their sexual dysfunction was being caused by uh, their own stress and anxiety about their disease. When I spoke to rheumatologists about it, they said that it actually wasn't uh, that they were feeling awkward about the conversation. It was just the whole thing of they're running their appointments to a clock. And so when you've got someone who has a very complicated disease walking through the door, there's a lot of preordained things that you need to do. You need to look at whether their medication is working, whether you need to run any tests, whether you need to deliver results of any tests that you've run in the past. And so in the first part of the appointment, unless the patient brings up a specific problem that is troubling them, it's very hard. They're not mind readers. They can't predict that that is a problem that's on patients' minds. Uh, But on the flip side, the patients, what I was gleaning from them was that it's very hard to bring it up because it makes them think that the doctors are very, very busy and they just want to focus on disease management. So they wouldn't want to even delve into something that may seem a bit obscure, like their sex lives. So it's this, um, I guess, a wall that's being put up on both the patient side and the doctor's sides in many cases. So one thing that came out of this is that There's a lot of research and focus in both general practice and rheumatology about getting pregnant with arthritis or caring for children with arthritis or breastfeeding with arthritis. And when I was talking to patients, they actually laughed at this. They said it's very amusing because if doctors are so willing to talk about the mechanical side of sex of, you know, how you conceive that a patient might just magically appear one day and be pregnant with arthritis... Um, and they're skipping the step that unless you're having IVF, actually you need to have sex to get there. It's kind of like those rom-coms where they just black out as soon as there's a sex scene. <laughs> it is, yeah. It, it's like for patients, it's like the the scene where people are about to kiss and then it just yeah goes blank. It's very G-rated. We can only talk about very mechanical things, uh, which is a massive problem um, because, you know, it's very hard to see a pregnant person in your office if they don't have a sex life to begin with. I can see the logic there. Yeah, (laughs) but it does seem very logical and yet we're not seeing it in clinical practice. I mean, because we still all live in Victorian England. I think that's the problem. Yes, I (laughs) do forget sometimes. So did you come across any tips for doctors in how to broach the topic and what things to talk about? Yeah, so on the patient side of things, all of the patients that I spoke to actually seemed okay with the idea of their doctor bringing up whether they were having problems sexually functioning. Um, Of course, the kind of comment in that area was that maybe not Yeah, so maybe not in the first appointment, that could go down a bit awkwardly. So like, hi, Tina, I'm Dr. Scott, and how's your sex life? 
you know, I think that that could make someone turn around and never come back. But it was something that they said that once they'd been to a couple appointments or there was some level of rapport with their doctor, they would be totally fine with that question coming up. And it would actually maybe take off a big burden that they feel that no one cares about their personal life and how the disease affects that. Um, So I found that quite interesting. Another thing, though, to note is that there's not many resources written by health professionals, if any. Um, All the professionals that I spoke to in this area and the patients were unaware of anything that they could direct patients to. There are a couple of consumer resources out there from uh, consumer advocacy bodies such as Creaky Joints, and they have um, some cute little blogs about best sex positions when you have arthritis. But again, it's more blog style. There's not really that much research behind it. So, you know, maybe it's something that patients can learn through trial and error. And the other problem with some of those blogs is that they can be uh, very aimed at heterosexual couples and also isolates people who are in same-sex relationships or of different ages and experiences. And the other thing that none of it touches on is uh, masturbation or people that are having um, sex with themselves, essentially. It seems like you almost need a specialist who focuses on this area of people's lives. Is that a thing? Is that a specialty? A sexologist? Well, people can go and see like sex therapists or sex psychologists that can deal with maybe some of the emotional and psychological barriers that people face with sex. Um, As we were saying before, this is so multidimensional because it may be to do with medication. So that might have to be something that the rheumatologist has to look at and modify. It can be a problem of um, physical function. So that might be something that a physiotherapist has to do and it may also be um, things that might be aimed more at a general practice audience so problems with lubrication or other problems such as um, what contraception works for people and how that plays into their relationship well it seems like that's a real gap and that's the whole problem this is a it's almost more a social problem that fits into a wider health problem where We need doctors and allied health to work together and talk to each other about this patient experience because it means a lot to the patients. It's also a reason why patients turn away from doctors. So I spoke to a lot of patients that because of their doctor's reaction to them bringing up these problems or trying to almost push them to another health professional or into allied health, that they never saw that doctor again because they felt very isolated. And patients also get very isolated or angered or annoyed when they try and bring up a problem of, for example, that they're not enjoying sex or they're unable to be motivated to have sex with a partner and the response becomes something very mechanical, like, oh, yeah, if you want to talk about contraception or things like that, go to your GP. Wow, that's so interesting. And I was kind of nervous about this podcast because I thought it was going to be, you know, such a heavy, difficult topic. But it sounds like there's actually, it's like quite an easy thing to talk about once you get rolling on it, Um, (laughs) which I guess is kind of a good way to end, right? It definitely is. And I think everyone has those reservations. When I first started writing this feature, I even had that moment in your throat where you're like oh god how am I gonna call all these strangers and ask them point blank about their sex lives it's incredibly daunting but I think after a while you realize that this is actually just 
a big part of patient-centred health. It's very relevant to everyone's lives. Uh, One patient said that once you have this diagnosis and you realise you are going to have it um, from this day until the day that you die, um, it's very important to try and reclaim your life as much as you can. And so a lot of the patients felt that if doctors could even bring this up um, at all, even once, even indirectly, it would make them feel... Um, like it's a far more patient-centred consult and they'd be more likely to go back and see that doctor again.